Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Average Cheese podcast. It's difficult to believe we've reached 162 episodes. So we all just wanted to say thank you for listening to previous shows, listening to this show. We hope that you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy making these podcasts. Dale and Todd have both taken a well-deserved break this week, as is probably the swear jar as well. We'll see as we go on. Let's start by saying a very special thanks to the sponsors of this show. That's Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management, Dwight at ddgcustoms.com, and Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Thank you. So as we know, unfortunately, there's no Packers game to talk about this week. Boo. But there's lots of areas to cover, and I'm going to talk a little Packers draft history later in, this, later in the show. We're going to recall a past Packers draft and how that went. And towards right at the end of the show, I'm going to drop the name of a player who may be of interest to the Packers in this year's draft. The 2024 NFL draft still around three months away, but it's probably a good time to start a little discussion in that area and start to drop some names and talk about some positions. So today I'm just going to drop one name and then in future shows, we'll start to talk more and more, I've no doubt, about the upcoming draft. So let's get to our slices this week. So I'm recording this on Monday. So yesterday was the championship game. So we now know the two teams that are going to take part in the Super Bowl. We're going to see a repeat of Super Bowl 54, Chiefs and 49ers. Chiefs won that Super Bowl 31-20 in a game that the 49ers led in the fourth quarter. So a repeat of that. And the two championship games we saw yesterday, Kansas City 17, Baltimore 10. Defending NFL champs find a way to win again. Get to this fourth Super Bowl in five seasons. And really, I guess it's their defense came up really big in this game. And think of a number of big plays, but particularly, I think, Lajarius Sneed's forced fumble at the goal line as Zay Flowers reached towards the goal line in the fourth quarter. I think that was probably the play that, once they won the game for the Chiefs, because they made a number of big plays, but the one that perhaps sealed the game for the Chiefs. It's good to see Andy Reid, I mean, going back to. The Super Bowl going to his fifth Super Bowl. And just for a little Packers interest, of course, we remember that Andy Reid was an integral part of Mike Holmgren's coaching staff in Green Bay. So as Packers fans, I think we can claim Andy Reid as one of our own. In the other game, the NFC Championship game, what an outstanding game this was. A great football game. Ended Lions 31, 49ers 34. And the 49ers came back from a 17-point halftime deficit. In fact, by the end of the third quarter, they'd wiped out that deficit altogether. And I guess the game swung on two crucial fourth-down stops by the 49ers, coupled with a fumble recovery in the second half that kind of, I guess, switched the complete momentum of this game in the 49ers' favour. And there's going to be lots of discussion, lots of views about Dan Campbell's decision to go for those two fourth-down plays. 
that is the way that the Lions have played this year. So there's absolutely an argument to be made. You know, you kind of continue and carry on doing the things that got you there. And this is one you can see either way. The other thing about this game, that 17-point comeback by the 49ers was the largest in NFC Championship game history, erasing the 16-point comeback by the Seahawks against the Packers 2014 NFC Championship game, which we would all like to forget anyway. So that 16-point uh, comeback by the Seahawks is now erased from being the uh, record, thank goodness. As I said earlier, the Chiefs will now be going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years, and if they were to win this one, they'd have won three of the last five. And that's certainly a dynasty in this, in this day and age. They'll have two in a row. As a Packers fan... I don't like to see teams get to get to two in a row. You know, the Packers hold the record as the only team to have won three NFL titles in a row, having done it twice, 1929 to 31 and 1965 to 67. And I'd like the Packers to keep that record as being the only team ever to have done that. But we'll see how the uh, how the Super Bowl plays out. Lots of news in in coaching area this week. So multiple teams have got new head coaches. I'm not going to go through all of the names. We'll probably discuss these on, on future shows. But the Patriots, Panthers, the Titans, the Falcons, the Raiders, and the Chargers have all got new head coaches. Yes, the Chargers is probably the one that's gotten the most publicity. That's Jim Harbour going from being a national champion, leading his team to a national championship, Michigan to the national championship, going back to the NFL and getting an interesting team in the Chargers led by, on the field, by quarterback Justin Herbert. And there's still openings at Seattle and, and Washington. Bill Belichick, obviously, is a name that's been mentioned for, for some of those head coaching opportunities, but it looks like the door's closing. Like I say, six have been filled. There's only a couple left and and you'd think that Belichick would want to go to a team that's got that's very close to at least being a playoff team team that's got an established quarterback and so that door may be closing on Bill to get his next NFL head coaching job so Packers news obviously the big news coming out in the last few days i guess around 5 or 6 days ago now since the last episode was recorded was the Packers moving on from defensive coordinator Joe Barry. Matt LaFleur decided now was the the right time. And yeah, the Packers are going to be looking for a new defensive coordinator. I'll run through some of the names that are in the frame in just a moment. But in terms of Joe Barry, he's already interviewing for jobs on other NFL teams. And certainly I think as a linebackers coach, I think there'll be a lot of teams that would be interested. He's had an interview with the Eagles for their linebackers coaching position. Other kind of Packers-related news, the Carolina Panthers have released James Campen as their offensive line coach, previously a, a really good center for the Packers in the early 90s, and was an outstanding offensive line coach when he was with the Packers as well. Some Packers roster moves. So the Packers pretty much signed let's say most of the guys that were on that finished the season on the practice squad to futures contracts that basically means those contracts start when the new year new league year starts in in march probably all one year deals so that's the likes of wide receiver Grant DeBose the third quarterback on the roster Alex Magoo 
fullback Henry Pearson, who was activated um, or elevated from the practice squad a couple of times during the regular season. Linebacker Keyshawn Banks. So they you know, all of those guys, or most of the guys on the practice squad, re-signed by the Packers. So that's kind of normal for this time of year. It's not to say that those guys will or won't make the 53-man roster come August, September time, but they're certainly going to be part of that 90-man roster as we go into training camp later in the year. The Packers also signed Jake Podlesny, the kicker out of Georgia, who went undrafted in the 2023 draft, was in camp with the Vikings 2023, didn't win, win that job. I know that some people are seeing that as a move, as a challenge to Anders Carlson, but I think it's more that it's an it's this time of the year when players start getting signed by teams. So I think this is a normal move in the scheme of things. You always want to have competition at every position in camp anyway, and so that doesn't rule out the Packers if they so choose going down the route of picking up a, another kicker or even or even drafting one. Although I would. I would doubt that. So I don't read anything special into this move. I just think it's the type of move that happens at this time of the year. So let's spend just a few moments talking about the Packers' defensive coordinator role. So like I said, I'm recording this on Monday, the 29th of January. And at this point, the role hasn't been filled. So who are the candidates? I think the obvious place to start is a guy that's already interviewed for the role, and that's Christian Parker. So he's 32 years old. He's currently the Broncos' defensive back coach, and certainly is a guy that's in interesting a number of teams. Like I say, interviewed sometime over the weekend or Friday. But Parker was a a defensive quality control assistant with the Packers in 29, uh, sorry, in 2019 and 2020. So given a role by, by Matt LaFleur and then moved on to the Broncos to be their defensive backs coach for the last three years. And by all accounts, doing an excellent job and certainly helping in the development of outstanding corner Patrick Satan the second, and also coaching an all-pro safety in Justin Simmons. Certainly his record in working with those guys over the last three years or so has been excellent. And it would be an interesting choice for the Packers if this is the route that they're, that they're going. Very, very young guy. It will be very interesting to see whether Parker gets the role and what type of defensive coordinator he's going to be. Never having been a DC before, we don't know exactly what kind of system he would run, how aggressive he would be to play lots of man, would he play lots of zone? We don't know. So that would be an interesting choice if it's if it's him. The Packers also reportedly interviewed Brandon Staley on Friday. Staley's 41 years old, and we know him most as being the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers the last three seasons, being let go during the 2023 regular season. And before that, he was the Rams defensive coordinator in 2020, and his record in that one year was outstanding. His defense ranked first in a number of categories, and certainly that helped to get that Chargers role. On the other side of that, the Chargers struggled defensively, you know, in the three years that Staley was there as the head coach. Obviously, he's somebody that Matt LaFleur knows. He also worked under Vic Fangio for three seasons. So you kind of get a, a view of the type of scheme that Staley would probably run if he were to get the job. A couple of other names I want to throw out there. A couple of guys who were born in the UK. So let's start with Adam Durday, 
Derde is the um, Cowboys defensive line coach and a guy that actually learned to play football playing in the UK. Really interesting story. Um, played for the London Olympians and then progressed and became a linebacker and played in NFL Europe. Became the, the Cowboys defensive line coach in, in 2021. And he's another guy that appears to be garnering a lot of interest from teams. It's an interesting, interesting guy. Still young, 44 years old, and certainly a, an up-and-coming coach coach in the NFL and potential defensive coordinator somewhere. Um, there's another guy that was born in, in the UK. Currently the Panthers defensive coordinator, um, Ajiro Evero. Now, it doesn't look like he's going to be available. He's still in a role there with the Panthers. So even though the Panthers have got a new head coach, they haven't moved on from Evero. And he's a well-respected defensive coordinator. He's done a fantastic job with the Panthers, who's ranked in the top 10 and in the top 5 in a number of categories in 2023. By all accounts, was interviewed for the Packers' defensive coordinator role back in 2021. So it doesn't seem like he's probably going to be a candidate this time, but certainly worth mentioning another guy born in the UK. The other name that's cropping up a little bit is Bobby Babich, who's the Bills linebackers coach. Mike, Mike Garofalo at the NFL Network um, reported that the Packers have requested permission to interview him. And Babich, again, like some of these others that we've talked about, is an up-and-coming young coach, just 40 years old. And... I guess all of the names that we've really talked about so far have all been certainly all guys under the age of 45. Parker's case, just 32. So I guess a trend there towards younger defensive coordinator possibilities. That doesn't rule out some of the experienced guys. And I, and I guess it's worth mentioning people like Wink Martindale, who was previously at the Ravens and most recently at the at the Giants. Certainly a guy that likes to get after the quarterback, put 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 pressure on the passer, put pressure on the offense. Certainly that, that appears to be kind of the Yamo of Wink Martindale's defenses. And we've seen his name crop up quite a lot. He's he's available. I haven't seen anything yet that suggests that the Packers have interviewed him or are planning to interview him. But that doesn't mean to say that, that hasn't happened or isn't isn't going to happen. I guess another name that's kind of on everybody's lips when this role comes up is Jim Leonard, who was reportedly offered the Packers defensive coordinator job a few years ago before Joe Barry got the role. Leonard, of course, made his name at the University of Wisconsin, um, defensive coordinator there and then interim head coach. And certainly lots of people's choices choice as an a young, up-and-coming, dynamic-type defensive play caller. Whether him not taking the Packers' role a few years ago has ruled him out this time around, I don't, I don't know. Again, he's one of these guys that we haven't heard is being interviewed, so we, we don't really know whether he's on the Packers' shortlist for the role, but certainly a name that I think will excite lots of people in Wisconsin because of his Badgers background. Al Harris was another name that, that's kind of cropped up towards the end of the season. The defensive backs coach at the Cowboys, obviously a former Packer and um, the author of one of the great Packer playoff 
players. That's difficult to say. You know, when he intercepted Matt Hasselback in, in overtime, returned it for a touchdown, finished that game off. Just one of the great the great plays in Packer playoff history. No news yet as to whether Al Harris has been um or whether the Cowboys have been approached for permission to permission for any team I, I believe, you know, to, to interview Al Harris. So we'll wait to see on, on that one. One other possibility, I guess the name keeps cropping up, is is Chris Harris, who's been the, the Titans passing game coach, coordinate, uh, cornerbacks coach. Another guy that reportedly interviewed for the Packers defensive coordinator role in, in 2021. And he's been, has quite a lot of experience. You know, so he's with the Titans now. He was uh, previously with the uh, Washington football team as their defensive backs coach for three years. So another name to keep an eye on there. And there we have it. It's a quick run through of some of the candidates for the Packers defensive coordinator role. So as I said earlier, I wanted to talk a little Packers draft history. So we're about three months from the draft, just under three months from the draft. And normally when we do our history section, we talk about a past Packers player. And there have been many, many great players in in Packers history to talk about but I thought as we approached the draft this time of year with no more Packers games this season that it might be interesting to look back on some past Packers drafts and start to build our interest for the 2024 NFL draft and I'm going to pick a draft that not necessarily everybody would jump to I think most people would jump to the Packers 1958 draft which I've written about elsewhere as, as being the best draft in Packers history. But I'm going to pick a draft that kind of falls in the middle of what most people would consider a down period for the Packers in the 70s and 80s. But one draft kind of stands out in that period, and that's the 1978 NFL draft and the Packers, the Packers 1978 draft. And right at the top of that draft, the Packers picked a guy that would go on to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They picked another guy that would be a Packers Hall of Famer and would make the second team NFL all-decade team of the 1980s. They picked another guy that would, would go to be go on to be a Packers Hall of Famer, a two-time All-Pro. And then there were a number of guys that also were solid players that started a number of games for the Packers in the years after 1978. So while it wasn't isn't necessarily one that would necessarily jump out to people this is a better draft than a number probably in that in that kind of time time frame so the Packers 1978 draft and they went into it with the sixth overall pick and with that pick they picked an outstanding athlete a world-class long jumper and a guy that go on to be a pro football hall of fame wide receiver and that's James Lofton out of Stanford and I think one of the things that stands out about James Lofton's career is that he averaged 18.3 yards a catch across his career. And this is this is a career that was a 16-year career. So you might see the occasional guy these days reach 18 yards per catch in a, in a season. James Lofton did it across his whole career. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, it started quickly for Lofton, made the all-rookie team in 1978, went on to make the Packers Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 1980s All-Decade Team, Packers All-Century Team in 1999, seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, 
And for the for the Packers, he broke Don Hudson's receiving marks with 530 receptions and very nearly 10,000, or just over nine and a half thousand receive, receiving yards. And I think any any of us that were lucky enough to see James Lofton play will, I guess, just recall what a great athlete he was and what a great great wide receiver he he really was. And of course, he went on to have success, particularly with the Bills after leaving the Packers and playing in Super Bowls with the with the Bills late in his career. So that was a great way for the Packers to start that draft. And the Packers had a second pick in the first round of that draft. They traded Mike McCoy to the Raiders and ended up with pick 26 in the in the first round of that draft. And they picked John Anderson. And Anderson was an outstanding outside linebacker from the University of Michigan. He was a guy, again, would go on to be a Packers Hall of Famer made the second team NFL All-Decade team of the 1980s. So that's how good John Anderson was. Made 141 starts for the Packers outside linebacker from 78 to 89 and possibly would have earned even more accolades if he hadn't broken his arm, broke his arm three times early in his Packers career and quite possibly would have earned even more accolades than he did. Despite that, he had over a 1,000 tackles for the Packers in those 12 seasons. And get this, 25 interceptions from the linebacker spot, 15 fumble recoveries, 24 sacks, had five interceptions as a, as, as a rookie, and twice led the Packers in interceptions in 1982 and 1983. It's difficult to overstate what, a, what an outstanding player John Anderson was, you know, through the late 70s and, in, and, and through the 80s. Particularly, play, you know, playing on those Packers teams that number of eight and eight teams, mostly teams that that were, un, that were under five hundred. Let's jump now to the Packers' fifth round pick in that in that draft, and a favourite of this show, Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas was a linebacker out of San Diego State. Played for the Packers from seventy eight to eighty five. We've profiled him previously on this show, so we we'll spend too much time on him. Was another one of those great all round outside linebackers for the Packers, was a two-time All-Pro in 82 and 83. Um, had very nearly a 1,000 tackles for the Packers, 16 fumble recoveries, 10 interceptions, and had some really great seasons in the in the early 1980s. You know, in 1981, for example, he had 180 tackles, total tackles, including 146 solos. At 1983, he had 162 total tackles. But wasn't just a tackling machine. He's one of those guys that was always seemed to make big plays. Forced fumbles, recovered fumbles, re- returned fumbles for a touchdown. Another really, really outstanding player. So those three guys, Lofton, Anderson and Douglas, really made this draft for the Packers. And then there were a few guys, as I said earlier, that but I guess became solid starters for the Packers. Let me just pick out one or two of these guys. So this was a 12-round draft. The 11th round, the Packers picked Terry Jones, a nose tackle out of Alabama. And he went on to play 85 games for the Packers, started nearly 50, and was just a solid player from that 78 to 84 period. Round six, the Packers picked Leodis Harris, a guard out of Arkansas. 78 to 83, played for the Packers, made 54 starts across that period. And again, another one of those solid starters that you look for in, in every draft. And just to pick up one one more, third rounder Estes Hood. Packers Packers picked him up with the 62nd pick in that draft out of Illinois State. Again, played for the Packers of 78 to 84. 
104 games, 33 starts, 11 career interceptions, couple of fumble recoveries, solid player, you know, in the, in the defensive backfield that kind of featured the likes of Johnny Gray, Steve Luke, those guys. Esther Sud was a nice player and, and played special teams as well. So another solid pickup in that draft. So when you put that draft, when you put those guys, Jones, Harris, Hood, together with James Lofton, John Anderson, Mike Douglas, it was a very nice draft to the Packers in, in 1978. And that's our little bit of Packers draft history. Like I say, I think we'll talk about some more Packers drafts. There'll be some good, some not so good probably in future episodes. So I said that at the beginning or towards the beginning of this show that I wanted to leave you with a name for a Packers potential player in the upcoming draft. And we'll do more and more of this in the in the coming shows. We don't know whether this is a player that's high on the Packers radar. We don't know where, you know, some of these names are going to end up when all of this thing shakes out. We're in January now, like I say, we're around about three months from the draft, just under. We've got the senior bowls are complete. We've got the combine coming up. We've got players pro days and all of the things that go around those things, medicals, etc., etc. So we, we don't know where players are going are to end up in a, in a final draft rankings. Nor do we know how teams are thinking about these players. And so the name I want to throw out there right now is Graham Barton, who's an offensive lineman from Duke. And I guess one of the first reasons to throw his name out there He's a guy that's likely to be available when, when the Packers pick at 25 in the first round and possibly still there, you know, when the Packers pick early in the second round with the with the Jets pick. So, so Barton's a guy that could go at the end of the first, could go in the in the second round. We don't really know how teams are looking at these guys right now. But Barton seems to kind of fit the mould of Packers offensive lineman. He's he's big, six foot five, three fourteen, three fifteen. He can he can move. And has played a couple of positions at Duke. The last two, three years, he's been the starter at left tackle, has been all Atlantic Coast Conference in the last two seasons. But before that, he also started about half a season at centre. So while that's a few years ago now, I think that shows that Barton has some versatility, as we know the Packers like that versatility in their offensive linemen. And I think once you get beyond the top half of the draft, where the names that everybody talks about as the premier left tackles in this draft, the, the Joe Alts, the Olofashanus, perhaps Amarius Mims out of Georgia, uh, the right tackle JC Latham out of Alabama. I think once you get beyond those, as you get further down, it brings into play guys that are versatile and it brings more interior offensive linemen into play because those guards and centers typically unless you're talking about a Quentin Nelson or that type of guy, typically don't go in the top half. And so the thing is with Barton, although he's played those years at left tackle and started at centre, there's certain traits that make you think he may well move inside to guard in the pros. Immediately, you now, if that's the case, you're talking about a guy that can play guard, can play centre, has great experience at tackle, a guy in the kind of mould, and and you hate to put a guy who's not yet been drafted at this kind of level, but a guy in the kind of mould of a Zach Tom that can play multiple positions. And I think that would appeal to the Packers. So that's the first name that I am going to throw out there as a potential Packers pick. Of course, it could be off the board before the Packers pick. A lot can happen in three months between now and the draft. But I think it's good to start talking about some of these guys. Graham Barton, 
offensive lineman at Duke. Let, let's see how it goes with him and whether he turns out to be a future Green Bay Packer. And that's about it for this episode. Fortunately, as the swear jar was on vacation, I didn't actually need to use it this time around. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying this long and listening all the way through the episode. If you got this far, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next time on The Average Cheese. Go Pack Go!